Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurk in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests, classic radio shows, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio detective adventure on yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But it's time now to play Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, either one or both of our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants must correctly answer more multiple-choice trivia questions about Leonardo DiCaprio than me. Lisa Wolf is our moderator. Lisa, please welcome our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants. Excellent. I'd love to. We have Ernie on the line from Lake Station, Indiana. Hi, Ernie. Well, hello, Lisa. We're glad to have you with us. Well, thank you. And we have Jim on the line from Norwich. Hey, Jim, it's great to hear from you again. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Carl. Hey, Jim. Hi, Ernie. All right. Let's start right off. All right. We're going to start with Ernie today. Ernie, in which of yes. these shows did Leonardo DiCaprio play a young homeless boy? Is it Facts of Life, Who's the Boss, Growing Pains, or Family Ties? Family Ties. Oh, so close. <laughs> Jim, do you know? Uh, growing Pains. Growing Pains is correct. This was a, a few years back. Okay, Jim, he began his film career by starring as Josh in what film? Is it Tremors 2, Critters 3, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, or Halloween? Um, could you tell me the first two again? Sure. Tremors 2, Critters 3. Um, I'm going to say Critters 3. Yep, you've got it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh is Carl's right. getting nervous. Oh, no. Carl, in mm-hmm. what film, focusing on the environment, did Caprio... Co-write. Did he co-write Armageddon, March of the Penguins, Who Killed the Electric Car, or The Eleventh Hour? Who Killed the Electric Car? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Ernie, do you know this one? It's got to be The Eleventh Hour. It's The Eleventh Hour. It's correct. Excellent. So everybody's on the board with me. <laughs> That's how I like it. We're doing great, guys. Ernie, which of his films had the highest box office success? Catch Me If You Can. Titanic, The Aviator, or The Departed? The Aviator. Oh, no. No. Jim, do you know? Oh, I'm going to guess Titanic. Yes, it's definitely Titanic. That was a biggie. Okay, Jim, what is the name of his production company? Is it Appian Way Productions, Smokehouse Productions, Plan B Productions, or Red Hour Productions? Uh, I'm going to say Appian Way. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> That is uh, that is right. Oh my gosh. Okay. Carl, you're going to know this one. What a loser okay. I am. <laughs> well, 
I didn't say it. Okay. What Martin Scorsese directed historical film did Leonardo DiCaprio star in that was released in 2002? Has to be Gangs of New York. Yes, and you are on the board 1.5. There right. you go. It's not going to help me out. <laughs> not going to help me. Okay, Ernie. What film was the second collaboration between Scorsese and DiCaprio and started DiCaprio as an American film director? Howard Hughes. Was it Catch Me If You Can, Critters 3, Titanic, or The Aviator? The Aviator. The Aviator is right. <laughs> I had to get it once or twice. <laughs> That's right. Jim, what yeah. 2006 crime thriller did Leonardo DiCaprio star in as William Costigan Jr.? I'm going to say The Departed. Yes, 1.5 for Jim. Oh, my God. You're gosh. in trouble. Um, so. Carl? Yeah. What was the name of his character in the film Blood Diamond? It was South African. I knew that. Oh, well, that's not the answer, though. No. Okay. <laughs> Is it Benjamin, Solomon, Danny, or Cordell? Solomon. Oh, sounds good, but no. Not I think there Solomon. was somebody named Solomon, and it uh, wasn't him, though. No, it definitely wasn't. I didn't wasn't. see the movie. So. <laughs> Ernie, do you know? Did you give me the, uh, the other three? Sure. It's Benjamin, Danny, or Cordell. Let's go with Cordell. I know it's a good name, but not his. I'm oh. sorry. Jim. I'm going to say Danny. Danny is right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, final round. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's final round. Jim, are you related to Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. No, I realize. Oh, okay. Jim is about. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, it's Leo calling in, actually, changing his voice. That's right. Ernie, what 2008 spy film did he star in that is directed by Ridley Scott? Is it Body of Lies, The Foot Shooting Party, Poison Ivy, or Marvin's Room? Body of Lies? Yes, that is right. Jim, what 2008 drama film did DiCaprio star in with Kate Winslet? 2008. Is this The Eleventh Hour, Celebrity, The Great Gatsby, or Revolutionary Road? Uh, Revolutionary Road. Of course it is. He knows everything. Oh, my gosh. Carl, final question. What was the name of DiCaprio's character in the psychological thriller film Shutter Island? Oh, that's a good movie. Was he Chuck? John, George, or Edward? Mm, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ernie? That was a really good movie. Let's go with Edward. Edward Teddy Daniels is correct. <laughs> oh, my it. gosh. All right. Up, Let's Carl. see what we got here. Hear it. Ernie has four. Jim has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and a half. That's crazy. And Carl has a whopping 1.5. right. So both of these fine young gentlemen beat the host. I'm so happy. Uh, Ernie, did you have fun? Oh, I had an excellent time. Uh, way Carl, to go, buddy. Jim, did you have fun? Oh, I sure did, Carl. All right. Tricky questions from Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) You guys both win. Fabulous prizes. Thanks for playing the game. We really appreciate you you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. When we come back, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Stick around. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. 
This theory is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. First heard in 1949, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, was one of the longest-running radio detective shows with 14 years of intrigue and adventure. Johnny Dollar was an insurance investigator working for the Universal Adjustment Bureau, and when the Bureau suspected foul play, Dollar would get the call. He flew all over the world to recover valuables for a cut of the goods. And along the way, he would usually solve a murder or two. Dollar narrated his weekly adventures as if they were expense accounts sent to his employer. Clever way of narration. It always began expense account item one, and then he'd itemize every expense throughout the investigation. At the end of the show, he would finish his expense report and sign it. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Charles Russell, Edmund O'Brien, Bob Bailey, John Lund, Robert Reddick, and Mandel Kramer portrayed the freelance insurance investigator with the action-packed expense account over the years. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, was last heard September 30th, 1962. A huge run, Lisa. Huge run of Johnny Dollar on radio. Everybody loved it. It was a terrific series. And we have a great episode for you now from July 20th, 1950. It's called The Henry J. Unger Matter, and it stars Edmund O'Brien as Johnny Dollar. Sponsored by Wrigley's Gum is heard on CBS. Here's part one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Cal Porter and Associated, Johnny. What's up, Cal? Remember the Younger case, about 1945? Henry J. Younger. Your testimony sent him up for a one-to-ten hitch. Insurance fraud? Yeah, sure, I remember him. They let him out yesterday. He's been noising about that you're the top of his shopping list. Oh, I've heard that kind of talk before. Well, all I know is he's not here in Hartford visiting grandmother. We'd like to have you on a payroll for a few weeks just for safety's sake. Keep an eye on him for us. Probably the easiest money I've ever taken, Cal. If I remember Mr. Unger, he'll have his eye on me. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Associated Insurance Companies of New England, Attention Calvin Porter. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Henry J. Unger matter. Expense account item one, $2.20 night letter to Warden of State Penitentiary for dossier on Henry J. Unger. I just hung up when the doorbell rang. Just a second. Hello, Johnny. Eileen. Well, 
Can I come in? Ah, yeah, sure. Oh, nice place. Been so long, I'd almost forgotten. Oh, I see you got rid of that imitation road dance, the miniature. <laughs> Wasn't your type, anyway. Oh, I must say, you're not being very hospitable. Don't I deserve a drink? Ah, sure. What's the latest? Oh, working as hard as ever. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry if I'm a lousy conversationalist, Eileen, but like you say, it's been a long time. I thought you said you never wanted to see me again. I did, once. But when I got your wire yesterday, I decided that... My maybe... wire? I didn't send you any wire. Don't make me seem like a fool, Johnny. I got a wire from you asking me up here this evening. You said you wanted to talk things over. Look, I don't know who's playing a gag on you, Eileen, but I didn't send you a wire. I know how you felt two years ago when we said so long. Well, maybe I was wrong two years ago. I know I made some mistakes and you made some mistakes. Let's but... see that wire. Well, sure. It's right here in my purse. Tonight at 7.30, let's talk things over at my place, love Johnny. I didn't send that. You sure you don't know a few other Johnnies? That was a dirty crack. You like little things like this, don't you, Eileen? You like to write yourself notes, make up stories. You've got an A number one imagination. Well, I went all through that a long time now ago. Now, you listen to me. This is no gag, and it's not my imagination. All right. All right. Let's make things as pleasant as possible, as long as you've come. Fair enough. I thought a lot about you, Johnny. Oh, I'm not apologizing. Really, I'm not. Just thinking back. I'm glad it didn't turn out the way we originally planned it. I'd have spent half my life worrying over you. Oh, that's very touching. Especially in light of the fact that every other evening it was somebody else. I told you, Johnny. Yes, that we were going to be pleasant. Oh, that's right. We were going to be pleasant. Oh. You expecting someone? Nope. Mr. Dollar? Yes? Maybe you don't recall my face. The name is Unger. Henry J. Unger. Mind if I come in? I'm busy. Ah, yes, I see. Well, we won't take much of your time, will we, Ferdy? A very minimal amount of your time. Mind introducing me to the lady? What do you want, Unger? My name is Henry J. Unger, miss. Well, maybe... Uh, maybe I better go, John. No, stick around. Go on, Eileen. I'll see you later. I said stick around. Oh. I guess you better stick around. Yeah. She just came over for a visit. I'm going to let her go home. Oh, no. Maybe she'd like to watch the activities. Ferdy, get out the needle. Oh. Now, look, Gunga. Oh, you talk, 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 just like someone in insurance. You make so much noise and you don't say anything. How's it coming, Ferdy? Oh, satisfactorily. It's all ready. And they were each having a drink. I noticed that. Got the rope? Now you know I have the rope. That chair will be fine. Sit down, Dollar. What's the angle, Unger? You'll find out. Sit down. You work with gloves on, Ferdy? <laughs> sure, sure. I can do it with mittens. Once around. Twice around. Once around. Twice around. Hey, look. What are you going to do? Why don't you let him alone? Uh, it's love, Ferdy. Better go home, Unger. She hasn't anything to do with this. Finished, Ferdy? Uh, Come on, Unger. Ferdy, you finished? One, one more little mess. There. All done. 
And very sturdy, too. All right, Freddy. Roll up his sleeve. Uh, right. Hey, look. He's got a nice big blue vein right here. You know, it's so hard to find a good, nice, blue, bulgy vein on somebody. Feel, Uncle. Feel, feel. He loves his work, this Ferdy. Used to be a lab technician at some big hospital. Didn't you, Ferdy? Oh, that's right, Mr. Unger. Hey, hold very still, Mr. Dollar, and concentrate on this lovely girl you see standing before you. Hmm? Just uh, conceive of yourself as being a very big man, the President of the United States or something. Someone with influence. There's a great deal of influence. My head was loaded with nails. The warm air clotted my nostrils and I couldn't breathe. I tried to open my eyes, but no luck. I longed for something bitter and bubbly and cold. It was the worst hangover I'd ever had in my life. I finally forced my eyes open. One of my hands felt heavy and the other felt light. I turned my head... Painfully. There was a gun in my right fist. On the floor, dried blood. A lot of blood. And a girl named Eileen. Police! 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 Oh. He killed her! He killed her! Police! Police! remembered the keys hanging in a great silver ring from a wide waist. And she was gone. Empty liquor bottles. Two in the corner, one near the body. I focused my eyes on the gun. It was my own. I sat up and opened the breech. It had been fired. Twice. I looked at my watch. I put it up to my face and I looked at it hard. Ten, twenty. I had been out almost three hours. I went out into the fresh air and it hit me like a slap in the mouth. I almost passed out again. But I took it slow, not breathing too deeply. Expense account item two, one dollar and I forget how many cents cab fare to the combination home and office of my good friend, old Dr. Norwich. I was still so groggy, I almost fell into the house when he opened the door. Why, Johnny, here, let me take your arm. Oh, I'm a little woozy. That I can see. Here, here, sit down before you fall down. Thanks. Here we are. Look, Doc, I gotta trust you. I... I've just been framed. Look at my right arm. The vein. Uh, it's been punctured. What did they give me? I don't know. I can take a blood sample and lab it up for you. Thanks, Doc. I can't be certain, but my opinion is you've been given a very adult dose of alcohol. Possibly a mixture of 50% alcohol and intravenous fluid. Can I prove it? Did you have a drink? Yeah, one. Well, I'm afraid gastric analysis would show a trace of alcohol. Yeah, but not enough to make me pass out. Well, by now, most of the alcohol would be in the blood whether you drank it or had it pumped into you. So it's a dead end, huh? If it's a frame, Johnny, I'm afraid the evidence I could supply wouldn't be much help to you. 
You've been radically anesthetized, my friend, but that little round dot on your arm could have been self-inflicted. A good prosecuting attorney could make mincemeat out of your case. Can you at least make me solid again? It'll take a few hours, but I can get you on your feet. If you don't mind being treated a little rough... I don't mind anything, Doc, as long as you can get me awake enough to keep myself alive. That's the first portion of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. A little technical difficulty. Couldn't get the microphone on, Lisa. Uh, yeah, all right. So first portion of yours truly, Johnny Dollar from July of 1950. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Leonardo DiCaprio. You know who that is? I sure do. I wish I knew him You ever seen him in any movies? <laughs> I wish I really knew him, but yeah, I kind of know him. Yeah, no. He, uh, yeah, he dates some attractive women. Yeah, well, that Lisa. would be perfect for me. I know, that's good. All right, so uh, we are going to play another movie clip with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, very talented actor. Very talented. I like him yeah, a lot. kind of handsome, too. Yeah, I like him. Just saying. Uh, 2002 crime drama history. Take a listen. That was the finest beating I ever took. My face was pulp. My guts was pierced. My ribs was all mashed up. All right, uh, you know what I mean? I, was yeah, a, I, know I took mean. a beating, let me tell you. All right, if you know what movie that is, give us a call. It's a 2002 crime drama history. Leonardo DiCaprio in that cast. The number to call, 855-360-H360. Toll free, 855-360-H360. Give us a call. Tell us what movie that was. Win some fabulous prizes. And it is a 2002 crime drama with the great Leonardo DiCaprio, who is celebrating a birthday November 11th. He was born in 1974, Lisa. I hate when they're younger than He's me. He's a young Just man. can't stand that. All right. Call us now. We'll be back in a few. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Yes, indeed. That's the great Adam West right there. Thank you, Adam West. This is Hollywood 360 on 100 radio stations coast to coast. And uh, speaking of uh, coast to coast, you know what rhymes with coast to coast? Most. My co-host oh. is Lisa Wolf. <laughs> That's me, co-host the most. Yeah, no E at the end of Wolf. No, not like Nero. No. Right. Lisa Wolf, no E. Mike Costello, the best no in the business e. over and there. Mike Costello, no E. No. As our executive <laughs> producer. And uh, I am your host, Carl Amari, and this is what we do here each week at this time. We play classic radio shows. We're in the middle of listening to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, let's find out. What movie this is? That was the finest beating I ever took. My face was pulp. My guts was pierced. My ribs was all mashed up. I hate when that happens, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, when that when your face is pulp and your ribs are all mashed up and your, pee, your lungs are pierced, it's kind of a, it's not good. It doesn't sound no. so good. Ed out there in Florida knows the answer. Right, Ed? Yeah. Wasn't that Liam Neeson there? No, that wasn't. No, that wasn't that was- Liam Liam oh, Neeson. That was, um, um, Daniel Day? Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. Lewis, yes yes yes, 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 yes. But all that serious talk like that of getting beat up, that had to be Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're right. Gangs <laughs> of New York, great movie, right? Terrific film. I mean, can you imagine, well, you live in Chicago. Can you imagine living in these big cities in the 1850s and 60s? It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. It probably was very much like... They showed it in this movie with all these gangs everywhere. Well, not only that, but they pointed out like the fire brigades and all that were run by gangs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow. Very cool. Well, you're a winner, my friend. My crabby brother will send you some fun prizes. Sound good? I'm glad you're playing Johnny Dollar tonight. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Ed. You keep listening, my friend, all right? All right. Thanks, buddy. It. Appreciate it. Ed knew it. He knew it was Gangs of New York. You know, Lisa, I had the great pleasure of uh, being on this set in Rome when they were shooting this film and uh, got to, in fact, I have pictures. I should post them. Remind me, we'll post we them on the house. We more pictures of you on yeah. the website, anyhow. And yes, I was uh, working on the film Passion of the Christ at the time, and they were actually butted right up to the Passion of the Christ actually? set. Yeah, actually. <laughs> so this was in Cinemata Studios in Rome, and it was so cool to walk that set, and they were all filming, and Leonardo DiCaprio was around. I didn't see him. He and I didn't hang or anything. No, that's too bad. But, uh, yeah, it was cool to walk this set. I have some pictures. I'll I'll post them. Great. On the set. All right. Very cool. All right, here's a little trivia. Bill the Butcher, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, is a rabid opponent of Abraham Lincoln. And in one scene, he's shown throwing a knife at a picture of the president. And then uh, Daniel Day-Lewis would play Lincoln in Lincoln in 2012. Ten years later, he would win the Best Actor Oscar for the role. Yep. Kind of crazy stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, All right, there we go. All right, let's get back now to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. After a Swiss bath consisting of ice-cold water pressured at the body out of a stout hose plus a potent shot of vitamin B complex and another cup of coffee, I felt almost normal. The throb in my head was gone. In its place was the cold realization that I was wanted for murder. <laughs> Expense account item three, 50 cents taxi fare to Asylum Street. It was funny going through all the motions of a murderer. I began to feel an edge of guilt creep into me. By the time I hauled myself into the Lost Soul Cafe, I felt as much a part of the place as the tramp at the elbow of the bar. I found an old informant at a front table. Expense account item four, $25 strictly for information. Sure, sure. Sit down. Sit down. For that kind of money, sit down. Thanks. Now, what was that question again? Henry J. Younger, Victor. Henry J. Younger. Just unfrozen. That's right. Well, 25 isn't very much. 25 is my present limit. This isn't too big a case. I could do better on quiz show. Henry J. Younger and his character man, 30. $25 and a shot. Right. Won't you join me? Oh, I can't look at this stuff. Yeah, I took the cure once. Pistola, well the same. Henry J. Hunger. Well, he hasn't been around long enough for me to know his habits. Just a few weeks. He just got unfrozen, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Did I? Oh, yes, so I did. Well, he's been dropping in here every afternoon about... What time is it? Three o'clock. In the afternoon? Yeah, in the afternoon. I've been here a long time. Well, he should be here at any minute. You know, I should stop imbibing. You know why? It isn't really good for you. You had the treatment I had last night, you'd quit. Oh, wonderful. Give me a temperance lecture. I haven't heard one in 14 years. The last lady that lectured me, I married. Turned her into a derelict and got rid of her. Give me a temperance lecture. Yeah. Yeah, some other time. I just saw him. Where? See you later, Victor. Thanks. You have 
Well, Dollar, the police know you're out. I'd sit down and talk it over. I wouldn't stay in one place too long if I were you. It won't be too long. Well, speak your piece. This strictly revenge, Younger? Let's put it this way. Five years is a long time. Good thing I learned to behave myself or I'd still be running the prison paper. You're the noisy type, Younger. You'd be the finger man if I so much as stubbed my toe. Correction, I would have been. I've got the law doing my dirty work. If you haven't made a mistake. I planned this for five years. You won't find any mistakes. Oh, I thought a lot about you, Dollar, up at the resort. You know, in the years I've been in the insurance game, I've seen you guys come and go by the dozen. They turn you out of the same mold. You flip a few jobs and it gives you a kick and it goes to your head. Then comes that one mistake. They salt you away and it gripes you. The world's to blame. You look around for somebody to take it out on. You talk a lot for a fugitive, Dollar. You're going to sit down over a piece of paper and write out a full confession, Unger. What makes you think so? This. A confession under duress isn't worth very much. It'll be worth a lot to me. For one thing, it'll be the truth. You'll have to prove I held a gun on you. Drop it, Dollar. What? I said drop it. You got the wrong man, Lieutenant. I doubt it, Dollar. You're under arrest for the murder of Eileen Kennedy. Johnny, it's my duty to warn you that anything you say may be held against you. Have you got a good lawyer? Lieutenant, this is ridiculous. You know I'm not a killer. Do you want a good lawyer? Yeah. Guess I better get one. Call Joseph P. Harris. Numbers in the book. Take care of that, Sergeant. Yeah, it looks bad for you, Johnny. When the DA gets hold of this evidence, he's going to be pretty nasty. You have any contradictory facts? Yeah, sure. I'm innocent. Can you prove it? Oh, come on, Dollar. You're in trouble. It was a beautiful job of framing, Lieutenant. All right, tell me what happened. Eileen Kennedy received a telegram yesterday. It asked her to meet me up at my apartment at 7.30 the next night that I wanted to talk. You two had quite a romance at one time. Yeah, I we had quite a romance, but I didn't send that telegram. Can you prove it? I didn't send the... No. No, I can't prove it. Go on. Well, she got there at 7.30. We had a few words. Fight. Not a fight, differences of opinion. We weren't up there five minutes when the doorbell rang. It was Unger. He was with a guy he called Ferdy. Well, what happened? Unger pulled a gun on me. He sat me down in the chair and Ferdy tied me up. Then Ferdy injected alcohol into my vein, enough to make me pass out. He dumped a few bottles around the apartment, probably pouring the liquor down the drain. And when I woke up, Eileen was lying dead on the floor next to me. That makes a good story, Dollar. Well, here's the mark on my arm. You can still see it. Yeah. All right, Johnny, now it's my turn. We found Eileen Kennedy in your apartment. There were two bullets in her, one in the abdomen, one in the chest, penetrating the heart at the right ventricle. From my gun? Yeah, the one we took from you when we captured you. Thirty-eight automatic. Lieutenant, the... We found empty liquor bottles around the place. Gastric analysis at autopsy of the girl showed alcohol. Sure, we each had a drink. A drink or many. There was a trace of alcohol. Now, you say you didn't take more than one drink. Can you prove it? Can you prove it? Can you prove it? Can you prove you washed your face this morning? I don't have to, Johnny. Okay, Sergeant, take him to his cell. When his lawyer comes, send him right in. I'll try to remember something that might help me defend you, Johnny. Joe. Joe, I... I I just can't think anymore. My my head's gone around like a pinwheel. You've got to keep yourself under control. Now, you're an investigator. You're used to dealing with things like this. Certainly when it comes to your own life. 
Yeah, that's just it. <laughs> when it comes to my my own life, I'm tied up in knots. I see. Well, I'll be frank. It'll be a rough one. Are they... Are they still holding Unger? They couldn't hold him. They had no charge against him. Uh-huh. And it looks like the indictment will go through, huh? Yeah, it looks like it. You were terribly drunk, Johnny. Dr. Norwich told me the percentage of alcohol in your blood. You... You think I killed her, don't you? Now, look, Johnny, I'm trying Forget to it. help you. Forget it, Joe. I'll see you in court. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. This honorable court of Connecticut is now in session pursuant to adjournment. Judge Samuel B. Epstein presiding. Be seated. The state of Connecticut versus John Dollar. We'll waive a jury, Johnny. I think you'll have a better chance. We'll take a jury, Joe. Start picking. Your name, please? David W. Norwich. You're a physician, is that correct? Physician and surgeon. Now, Dr. Norwich, did the defendant, Mr. Dollar, make a visit to you on the night of July 10th last? He did. Would you mind explaining the circumstances of that visit to the jury, Doctor? He was very sick. I had to help him inside. He was so sick. A laboratory analysis of his blood showed him to be under the influence of alcohol. Did the defendant, or did he not show you a spot on his arm where a hypodermic needle had penetrated? He did. And did you or did you not suggest to him at that time that the alcohol might have been administered by means of a hypodermic needle? I did. But also... That'll be same... all, Doctor. Not quite all, Doctor. Now, Doctor, you know as well as I do that a little black dot on the underside of the elbow might have been done by an enterprising young investigator such as Mr. Dollar in order to put forth a fairy tale that he was drugged, do you not? I object, Your Honor. The prosecuting attorney is attempting to intimidate the witness and interject his own opinions through the medium of his questions. Justine. Very well. Doctor, is there any possible way of showing through laboratory tests of one sort or another whether alcohol had been administered by hypodermic or by mouth? Yes, there is. Gastric analysis. And did you perform such a test upon the defendant, Mr. Dollar, at the time of his visit to you, July 10 last? I did. Will you tell the jury what you found, please? I found a trace of alcohol. That will be all, Doctor. Thank you. Your name, please? Rochelle Happerston. You know her, Johnny? Happerston, yeah, where do you live? 1024 and a half Pitkin Street, East Hartford. What relationship did you have to the murdered girl, Miss Kennedy? I was her roommate. How long had you roomed with Miss Kennedy? Oh, about three years. Now, Miss Happerston... Did the defendant, Mr. Dollar, ever call on Miss Kennedy? Well, not for the last two years. But prior to two years ago, he did call at her place of residence. Is that not correct? Two Do years I, ago, yes. Yeah. Now, that's is it not true that Miss Kennedy and Mr. Dollar were about to be married? Yes, that's true. But that was two years ago, too, so far as I know. Just answer the questions, Miss Happerston. Well, you want the truth, don't you? We'll get the truth, Miss Happerston. Now... Were you present when Miss Kennedy received the wire from Mr. Dollar requesting her to meet him at his apartment at 7.30 the night of July 10 last? Yes, I was. And what do you remember to be her reaction? Uh, hand me that page. Well, she was very confused. She said she didn't love him and she was hoping he wouldn't ask her to start again. 
And she went to Mr. Dollar's apartment under the impression that there was a chance that he might ask her to get together again? Objection, Your Honor. The witness cannot know what went on in the mind of the deceased. Justine, strike the previous question from the record. Proceed. In your opinion... Uh, no, let me put it this way. Did Miss Kennedy not say to you only a day before the time that she left for Mr. Dollar's apartment that she was not in love with Dollar and that she hoped he would not ask her to marry him? Yes, she did. That will be all, Miss Happerson. <laughs> Your name, please. Javier Sawyer. Would you state your occupation? <clears throat> I'm a lieutenant, Homicide Bureau, Hartford Police Department. Lieutenant Sawyer, you were in charge of the Kennedy case, were you not? Yes, I was. You examined Mr. Dollar's apartment following the crime? I did. Did you find empty bottles of whiskey in the apartment? I did. How many? Four. And Four. where were the Four. bottles placed? I only saw three. Well, one was adjacent to the body, two were in one corner of the living room, and one was in the kitchen. Now, is it possible that one or more of those bottles might have been consumed previous to the night of July 10th, the night that Eileen Kennedy was killed? No, sir. Why do you say that, Lieutenant? Well, there were a few drops of liquor in every one of the four bottles. Had the liquor been consumed previous to that night, these drops would have evaporated by the time we got there. Thank you, Lieutenant. Your witness, Mr. Harris. No questions. <laughs> Looks bad, Johnny. Four. Four bottles. I only saw three. Maybe a plea of guilty. A hypodermic? Now, what'd you say? Joe. Joe, I've been in the fog. Put me on the stand. I'd advise against it, Put John. me on the stand, Joe. Your name? Johnny Dollar. Where do you live? 390 Pearl Street, Hartford. Now, I'm going to point out to his your attorney that you don't have to testify. You're aware of that. I am. Now... Did you kill Eileen Kennedy? I did not, and I can prove it. Please. Ladies and gentlemen. Please continue, please. Mr. Dollar. Now, there were four empty liquor bottles found in my apartment the night Eileen Kennedy was killed. Get that? Four bottles. One near the body, two in the corner, and the police say they found one in the kitchen. All empty. Lieutenant Sawyer testified that by examining the degree of evaporation in the bottles of the residual whiskey, those bottles had been emptied the night of July 10th and not before. Go on. The medical examiners proved that Miss Kennedy did not have a high percentage of alcohol in her blood. She could not then have consumed as much as a pint of liquor, and the police say even that much is doubtful. Now, that means, ladies and gentlemen, that the night of July 10th, I would have had to consume over three and a half quarts of whiskey. I've got to admit that I would have been unconscious long before I reached that point. Order! 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 Proceed, Mr. Dollar. Now, as for the hypodermic needle. Assuming I were about to go under from an overdose of alcohol, is it likely that I, who have had no practice at the administration of hypodermics, would have used my left hand to administer a hypodermic to myself and be accurate enough to hit the vein so exactly? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one man who had a motive to kill Eileen Kennedy. That motive was to get me, something he'd been threatening to do for five years. And that's the man, the next witness, the elevator boy in my building, saw come up to my apartment the night of Eileen Kennedy's murder. That man is here in this courtroom. 
His name is Henry J. Unger. <laughs> Look out, he's making a break for it. Stop him, Pete! We got him! You did it, Charlie, you did it! So the case of the state versus Johnny Dollar became the case of the state versus Henry Unger. Ferdy's confession under fire isn't going to help Unger any. You might sum up my whole case in one sentence. Alcohol and murder don't mix. But I'm not kidding myself. If Unger hadn't got panicky at the mention of the next witness, I might have gotten what he deserved. Just shows what a little nerve, some fast bluff, and somebody else's sense of guilt will do for you. You see, there is no elevator in my building. Expense account total, $50.39, and more worry than you've got stockholders. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum... Stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Lou Krugman, Gene Bates, Raymond Burr, Sidney Miller, Mary Ship, Parley Bear, Herb Butterfield, and Bill Conrad. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking... This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. As uh, Edmund O'Brien says it, that's yours truly, Johnny Dalla. That's how he says it. Yeah, exactly. Johnny Dalla. <laughs> exactly. From July 20th, 1950, the Henry J. Unger matter. Edmund O'Brien in that, uh, along with Parley Bear, Luke Krugman, uh, William Conrad, Parley Bear. I said Parley Bear. Raymond Burr. Herb Butterfield, Mary Ship. There's a lot of lot of us uh, actors in that, yeah. Lisa. That was sponsored by Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed yours truly, Johnny Dalla. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All righty. In our next hour, it is the CBS Radio Workshop. A very interesting program. Helen Hayes is the star of it, along with her drama group from New York. And they it's a Shakespearean sampler of actors and their craft. It's a really interesting program from 1956. And before that, national movie critic Sarah Adamson will be here. We'll talk about Bridge of Spies, which I just saw. What a great movie. And then Rock the Casbah. Yes, indeed. Check it all out right here on Hollywood 360. Lisa, will you be back for that? Oh, okay. What do you think? Yeah? All right. All right, very good. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 